0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Howson And I'm James Marriott. So um, another week in lockdown, uh, another week without a great deal to report, really. It's been another quiet one, hasn't it? We're no closer to kind of really seeing when um, the, well, I say the end is in sight or the, the restart is in sight from a football point of view, are we?
1: No, not really. Uh, Rick Parry's spoken quite a lot in the press, hasn't he, in the last few days, uh, and quite a few statements have been released, and he did his open letter uh, to the fans. Uh, that I think was a good thing, but do you know what? I would have quite liked to have seen him done it a few weeks ago, really, um, So rather than the fans almost being afterthought. Uh, but, yeah, at least they finally got round to doing that. Uh, but, no, in terms of football, no, we're not really any closer to knowing when there's going to be a Restart, but realistically, you've got to think. I, I, yeah, it's going to be end of June at the absolute earliest. But I, I could see it going on beyond and longer than that. But we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, interesting. The statement, kind of for the first time, uh, properly acknowledging the fact that it is highly likely if not almost nailed on that when football does return it will be without fans in the stadium yeah. which I think had been something that had kind of been a little bit downplayed up till this point and there's sort of an acceptance there that that's kind of inevitable um now so that that's going to be that's going to be weird as well um very strange I guess I don't yeah. know what will happen for um for media will media still be allowed to go to behind doors games is that has that discussion kind of taken place yet
1: No, the conversation hasn't taken place at all yet. I think it's probably still too early, but I I find it hard to imagine that there won't be some sort of representation there from the media that I'm sure that whether all press, the the usual amount that you would get, say, going to the the Hillsborough press box and on a match day, covering the team home and away, whether it would be exactly the same as normal is, is something that would be definitely... I'm sure up for debate but yeah it's hard to imagine there not being any sort of presence there for the media and then looking above championship level then of course in the premier league with um sky and the, the tv companies and all the rights holders there then there's got to be you would think at the football grounds uh, yes media presence so you, you yeah and in attendance Uh, but who knows really how it's going to sort of work out Uh, I I suppose the only news this week Wednesday related of course is that uh, the uh, national media reporting yesterday that the EFL charge it could be heard now in July is the date that has been put out there Uh, and that's sort of isn't really a major surprise going back to what we were discussing last week in terms of if you Sheffield Wednesday and the EFL, then you want this hearing that would be over a number of days to be taking place when everybody's actually physically in the room, which is obviously a rather big obstacle and challenge right now. You don't really want this case going over Zoom. Obviously, it's in everybody's best interests for this to be done and dusted as soon as possible, especially Sheffield Wednesday as it has just been hanging over the club for so long, hasn't it, since November? But mm, yeah. I think, in all honesty, it's got to be really face-to-face and when you've got so the, the amount of witnesses that are going to be involved, I think that's why it's unfortunately it just feels inevitable that it is, it's going to be in the summer and that it's going to drag on even longer
0: yeah probably so i mean i I think of it slightly differently in terms of the fact that you know this could be something that could they could be doing it now while everyone's just kind of sat around with nothing to do they could get on with it and do it remotely because i've i've got a feeling that come what june I think it'll still end up being done remotely because I'm not sure whether or not social distancing will be, will uh, all be done and over, and we'll be kind of back to whatever we call normal after that. But I don't know. I guess um, I guess all will become clear in the in the coming weeks. Um, so yeah, I mean that's pretty much it from a news point of view. But it doesn't matter because um, today we have um, the. Well, the first, hopefully not annual, Singing the Blues Isolation Awards. So uh, we're going to go through, uh, we've got what, I think it's 10 categories uh, from the course of this season so far, where we're going to hand out and probably argue about um, our Isolation Awards for the 2019 2020 season to date. So the first category, Dom, is for most improved player.
1: So, oh, right, you um, caught me off guard, because I actually thought it was going to be another category first. Uh, the list no, no, no you I've, sent I've out. jumbled
0: them up a bit from, um, from like our, our previous of. I've slightly renamed some of them as well, so this will keep you on your toes uh, from our initial conversations earlier on today. Um, Excellent. So first category, most improved player. I've, I've only, I've actually only got one name on
1: my list for this one. Yeah, annoyingly, I think we're going to agree on this one, and I think that for that category, going off the thirty-seven game season that we have seen so far, I think there really is only one person that you can actually put forward, and that is Morgan Fox.
0: And I also have Morgan Fox down, um, so I think we can call that unanimous. That yeah. the isolation award for most improved player goes to Morgan Fox,
1: and deserved as well. It should be said, it, because a I think we won't
0: agree so readily on some of the other categories. But no,
1: um, I, I agree. We won't absolutely, uh, but Morgan Fox uh, from when you think back to his first appearance of the season. And when he got, his name was jeered before kickoff against Luton. If, and it, not for the first time that where that's happened the season before as well, if you remember Derby at home, he, he also received some flack that day. So the way that Morgan Fox has been rejuvenated and he's turned his career around under Gary Monk, uh, and and he's definitely one of those where you have to look and say that Gary Monk, you've got to give him credit for the part that he's played in uh, improving Morgan Fox. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and I I, I mean I think probably uh, the the best credit we can pay is the fact that I think for both of us, and to be honest, it's the reason I put this category first because I was fairly certain that. There's just—I can't really imagine there's going to be anyone listening to this that's going to disagree because you look across the rest of the team this season, and who is there that's got like better? Uh, it, it's been a season really of players going backwards rather than players kind of going forwards. So um, I, I, I'd really struggled to kind of particularly come up with anyone else, and um, and I think you know Morgan Fox head and shoulders above anyone else in um, in the running for for that category. Um, and fair play to him because he's not had the easiest of times. And I think it says a lot that we're at a point now where um, I think we'd be disappointed if he doesn't sign a new contract. Well, we'd definitely be disappointed if he doesn't sign a new contract. Um, and it's no surprise that that you know. That, there's other clubs that have been linked to him whether it's agent talk or not it's believable because he's had a really good season and has really shown what what he can do um, and put in some really consistent performances and uh, become a little bit of a leader as well at the uh, at the back so there we go that most improved player goes to morgan fox right category number two is for young player So, let's have a bit of a think about who we've got in the running for this and whether or not, you know, what exactly we're going to class as being young player. Are we going to put an age limit on it or just maybe, you know, players that have kind of broke into the first team this season?
1: Well, if you're going off players who've broken into the first team this season, the reality is there still wouldn't be many in contention for this award, who, who've actually made appearances. Uh, I, I actually saw this category. This was one that was discussed by uh, one of my former colleagues in, in Nancy Frost, and uh, she picked Azazi Urigidi And in all honesty, it, it's it's slim pickings, really. If, you, if you're going for, say 21 and under then Wednesday haven't got many who have actually burst onto the scene or played X amount of matches and, and you take Urugidi Urugidi's played four times four, so four times and so two of them he was very good I thought Brighton on his debut and Leeds the week after and then he's had two horror shows at home and yet so I, that's why I'd feel very reluctant to make him young player of the year and when he's only played four matches it doesn't really add up to me and yeah you've got Alex Hunt who has now been selected in the match day squads a few times and then put in a nice cameo against Manchester City but it's not really enough is it uh, for this award so I think to answer your original point I think you've got to stretch the age limit to probably about 24 and so, if you do that, there'd only be one winner, in my eyes, and that would be Dominic offer
0: How old is Dominic offer 24.
1: <laughs> That's why I said him. Right. <laughs> it's not particularly young, though, is it? No, it isn't, but like I say, we've seen young players who are slowly getting introduced into the first team. and We've seen... Um, Ben Hughes has been, I think, included in a match day squad, the two mm-hmm. goalkeepers we know about. But Cameron Dawson is 24 as well. So I don't know what names you had down on your list as we didn't talk about the finer details of this, as we like to. Uh, do things off the cuff here, don't we? On seeing the blues, so that's what we've done on this occasion. So, I I don't know if you've got any other names, but I mean, I think I've put out know, the, all the only name I've got
0: written down. You're right about um because um, I think this in some ways he had a really good start, in a lot of ways, he had a, a really you know torrid start in terms of you can't give um, him young players getting, of the year getting sent the off, and, and he was in the team for that you know 5 0 against um. Blackburn. Um, But, I mean, you make the point that he's only played four games. Well, actually, the name that I've got written down is Alex Hunt Um, because we've not seen a lot of him. But what I've seen of him actually really excites me in terms of I think there's a huge amount of potential um, there. And that is kind of what I've gone on for it because you're right, we've not had a lot of minutes from young players. Um, And to me, I I just think 24 is a bit bit too old you're about halfway through your football career at 24
1: yeah no you're probably right but that's why I was thinking really we'd have to stretch the age limit on it as there haven't been enough young players that have come in I think I would change the category name really to feel a bit more comfortable I I, I just think young player of the season you can't give it you can't justify giving it Uruguidi or Alex Hunt so I don't know uh, newcomer of the year there you go Alex, Newcomer not. of the Year.
0: I'll All take right, that one.
1: We'll I, I just don't think we can have Young Player of the Year, James. D- realistically, no, I, I, I don't I, think I think can. you make a
0: fair point. All right. So, Young Player of the Year, we are abandoning well, completely and renaming Newcomer of the Year.
1: Yes. I right, like that. And Alex, and and we actually, right, we, I agree I, with I, everybody. We agreed said. on that. Yeah we are, I think we are, Alex Hunt deserves it too 19, uh, I've seen a lot of him for the under 23s, I think he's got a lot of potential and I hope that next season we're going to see him sort of drip fed more into the first team and I think we should when you look at the central midfield area that those players who out contracts we've discussed before, Perry Pessie, Hutchinson Kieran Lee, I can see them all departing so then there should in theory be more room for game time for Alex Hunt
0: yeah, and I think that's um, that's exciting. I, I I like the idea mm. of us having players who are going to be figuring more regularly. Who we have only seen little bits about. Like you know, I think players. The the problem with players like Kieran Lee and Sam Hutchinson is that you know we've seen them at their best, and and it's gone now. So the idea of players coming in who we've not yet seen at their best, and we've still got that to come. We've still got that to look forward to. That's exciting, and I like that. Yeah. Cool, Brill. So, so, newcomer goes to Alex Hunt. Category number three
1: is best game. So, there'll probably be a couple of contenders for me Middlesbrough, yep. Nottingham Forest, both of them away, yep. and Leeds away. I think yep. you're going to pick Leeds. So, actually, I'm going to go for Nottingham Forest. Um, for many reasons. That was so unexpected for Wednesday to go win there and win so emphatically and play so well. The team is as balanced as they've looked all season. And really, there wasn't a weak link in that side that day. Everything about it. The midfield two of Luongu and Bannon were outstanding. That's as good as they've played. Together for me. Uh, And up front, well, we had that delight of seeing Jordan Rhodes score the perfect hat trick. Um, uh, Stephen Fletcher typically popped up with a goal, but it was an unbelievable feeling for Wednesday to go in at half-time 4-0 up, to know that the game is done and dusted. And at that point, you're thinking, Wednesday have just sent out a huge statement to the rest of the division here that they're going to be here to stay in the promotion race. Um, Little did we know that things would uh, not quite work out (laughs) like that. But um, that was... That was exhilarating. That was awesome. Uh, that, that was a great away day. Uh, and we've had a few down the years, let's be honest, at the city ground. But that one, with Forest, they were in a great form as well. Yeah, and right up there, you know, look at how well they've done this season. So for Wednesday to rip them apart uh, was so impressive. Great day. Um, okay,
0: your prediction was correct in so much that I've said Leeds. Yeah. And the reason that I've said um, leads is for a few different reasons. So, um, I, I think actually in terms of performance it wasn't that fantastic from Wednesday. Leeds had a lot of chances and probably could have um certainly been ahead by the time Wednesday turned it on. Um but that for me makes it all the more sweet to come away with a 2-0 win. You know, almost kind of smash and grab territory that that victory. Um but I think it's the fact I think it's just the fact that it's Leeds. I think it's just the fact that we went to Leeds, they were what, top of the table or second in the table there or thereabouts um we obviously not in the best of, of form at the time and um it was just it, it was a perfect way to steal three points from uh, from our Yorkshire rivals up the M1 so for me it's Leeds I, I you're right about forest in terms of the fact that you know that first half performance was just stunning and it was just goal after goal after goal um similarly you know middlesbrough kind of came out of nowhere and you know, they were in the best of form to be fair but um, you know that was another fantastic uh, win, and really early in the season when you know hopes were, were were really high. So I think I think they're all in with a shout. But for me, just the fact that it was Leeds means that you know that
1: one just meant that bit more. Well, the other thing that was sweet about Leeds was the the celebrations post match actually, and uh, and I think you've touched on this in the last few weeks about it was that togetherness of everybody the. the Two thousand plus Wednesday fans that were in Ellen Road and making such a racket, uh, and then the players for them to go over and celebrate with the fans uh, and the you know we all remember that those scenes of uh, yeah I think Julian Birders sort of starting the uh, sort of the hand clapping and and everything about that day yeah what was brilliant. Uh, And so, it pains me. I don't want to, we have to make a decision. Uh, And I think if we were to put this to a poll, in all honesty, I think it probably would still be a landslide. As you say, there's nothing that's more satisfying than beating Leeds United and beating Leeds United away from home. So, I think you're going to have to, we have to say it's Leeds. I
0: think that is the right decision. So, best game, 2-0 victory at Ellen Road against Leeds. Uh, category number four. And this one, I I mean, I guess this is a little bit of a negative one, actually. So, um, this is biggest disappointment of the season. Uh, and it, it's, it could be, I guess it could be a... A game or a moment but I'm thinking probably more a player who's just not really done it this season that for whatever reason it's just not happened for them so um, biggest disappointment
1: I think we're going to agree on this James I think it's almost certain that there is one man that uh, you've been gunning for from the very beginning of this season and have constantly been saying is a liability and interestingly he has actually come out this week as this player, and I, I thought that on social media, what he said, um, for him to sort of hold his hands up and basically say this has been the toughest season of his career mentally, and that he, he, he's sort of going to, he's vowing to improve and that he's going to do better. Uh, I, I think it was very honest of Moses Audabaggio, but you have to, I think we all acknowledged that um He came in with a big reputation and we all remember the player he was at Hull under Steve Bruce and so I think that Steve Bruce leaving was a major setback for him. As Steve Bruce knows what makes Moses Odabaggio tick and I think that maybe he would have performed better uh, under Steve Bruce or Steve Bruce would have been able to get more out of him than what Lee Bowen and Gary Monk have done uh, so I think for the mistakes he's made defensively those two penalties at Preston people remember I remember Brentford at home the derby away he conceded a penalty that day didn't he so most bajou, yes he was a free transfer so in terms of value or, or it's not like Wednesday spent Loads of money bring him to the football club. Uh, But of the three transfers, of the three they signed last summer, I think Odebagio was the one actually who you thought would be more of a banker probably than Julian Berner and Kadeem Harris. So I would say for me, he's been, did you say it's the flop of the season? It's a harsh phrase, it's a harsh category, or worst player of the season, however you want to. Yeah, I'm afraid it would yeah, be most that's,
0: that's, that's why I've just gone with kind of biggest disappointment. And and to be fair, I think that you know there there are other people that we could mention here in terms of. And I'm not trying to single people out just to criticise them, um, but for very different reasons. You know, you'd look at someone like David Bates, who's just done nothing. I mean, he's not had the opportunity for whatever reason. I I, I don't know. Um, and that's a disappointment. Also. You know, We look at players who've maybe set themselves really high standards in previous seasons and this year it's maybe just not happened for them. And I'm probably thinking most there about Adam Reach when I say that in terms of the fact that this season's just been a a non-event for him. you know. We how, how many times during the podcast did we say, oh, we've got to stick with him and it's got to happen or actually we're going to have to drop him because he's just not performing or he doesn't look right or is he carrying an injury or whatever it's been? And then, of course, he has been injured. So this has been uh, a non-event, hasn't it, this season for Adam Reach and that, that in itself has been a big disappointment.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, another name I'd throw in, of course, um, would be Tom Lees as well. I feel like Tom Lees, uh, certainly in the last few months, he, he just looks a shadow of the player that he once was. And uh, I, I think that this will be something that we we'll, not no doubt chat about again. But there may be a decision in the summer that uh, Gary Monk has to make uh, in defence. I think it does need some surgery. I, I, and I'm thinking on Tom Lee's, will. will he still have the captain's armband? for next season. I'm not so sure. We've seen he's been dropped or he's been left out of the team. And you do associate the captain as being really a guy who plays week in, week out and is one of your first names on the team sheet. Tom Lees is now 29. Are his best days behind him? Uh, and right now you would have to say there are huge question marks over his position and that he really is no longer an automatic first choice. Uh, and I think with the type of players that Gary Monk is going to look to bring to the football club and characters, and we we always bang on about it, don't we, James? Leadership and the lack of leaders in this team. I think he's going to be looking for some experienced defensive now, at least one player. You would think centre half, so I I think that Tom Lee's position is going to come under some serious threat. But yeah, I echo what you were saying completely about Adam Reach. Two goals, I think he scored in twenty odd matches this season. Uh, having done so well the, the previous two years, uh, it just seems nothing really seems to have gone for him. Uh, and yeah, he's played in a number of positions. But yeah, we would have thought by now Adam Reach would have been a banker for half a dozen goals. Assists-wise, he's still done pretty good, actually. I looked at the numbers the other day, he's still got five or six that he's contributed. Right. But yeah, goals, that, that's hurt Wednesday too, as we've seen last few months, that there's been a real lack of goals from midfield. So yeah. Adam Reach's contribution there has hit the team, definitely.
0: I think because of the reasons that you outlined and uh, mistakes made, goals given away, um, Moses Odobaggio I think, probably does does pick up that that kind of title of biggest disappointment i mean you know it was only last week we did um squad of the decade and adam reach was in it so it would be particularly harsh of us then a week later to kind of put him down as biggest disappointment of this season because you know whether whether or not we know he he was he played a lot of the season in strapping didn't he and and, and you know there's been that question mark about whether he's denied it but that question mark about whether or not he's been carrying an injury and for him subsequently mm-hmm. to spend so long out injured um so somewhat innocuously really wasn't it because it was just kind of like oh Adam Reach is injured and then he's just not played since yeah. um so I, I I think we give him the benefit of the doubt on this one um and you know kind of almost write this season off from Adam Reach and and hope that you know we get to see the Adam Reach that we know is there next season so biggest disappointment then Moses Odebagio. Agreed Right, this is going to be an interesting one. So this is um, this is a non-Wednesday-related um, award. So this is best player seen at Hillsborough. So um, this is obviously non-Wednesday player, so best opposition player that we have seen play at Hillsborough this season. You know um, what well, the easy response
1: would be? I was going to say the easy response to this, James, would be just to say any of the Manchester City players.
0: Well, we but there's two Premier League teams that we've seen at Hillsborough this season. There's, there was Everton earlier in the season. There was Manchester City as well. Um, and, I, I mean, there's been... I can think of a good handful of players that have kind of run the show when they've been at Hillsborough and put in really good performances. Um, who stands out for you?
1: Well, the ones that uh, I remember uh, are forwards. And so... Uh, I thought H a for QPR, I remember him being an absolute menace very early on in the season. And I actually thought QPR looked really good that day. Um, and that was Lee Bowen's last match in, in caretaker charge. And Wednesday actually went 1-0 up. But I remember um, H a you could just see there that the ability he's got on the ball that he is destined to play in the Premier League. And I would, I would imagine he'd be playing in that, Division next season And that QPR will do very well To hang on to him So yeah I think he's he's a top prospect And looked good at Hillsborough uh, Earlier on this season Lee Tomlin is Continuously a falling Wednesday's side Every time he plays against Wednesday And I actually looked over the years as well Number of goals or assists he's made And he, he created Two when Cardiff won Um in in the last game of 2019 uh and and of course he scored in the reverse fixture as well that controversial late equalizer that we won't talk about too much uh so tom wins yeah. a pest but actually the one that i would say for me uh again that has looked a real class act at uh, hillsborough to answer your question is uh, I thought Saeed Ben Rama in the first half for Brentford when they came to Hillsborough in December. I thought he was quality. Uh, he was really good, uh, and he's had a great season. I, I think he's you know so diminutive, great feet. Uh, I think that yeah, he he is again another player who I think will not be plying his trade for too much longer in the Championship. So Syed Ben Rama for me
0: um the the name that I've got down that that differs from yours uh, and I'm going on someone that without really particularly having to make too much of an effort, just run the show when uh, when his team came to Hillsborough, and that is Wayne Rooney.
1: Well, yeah, it's a very fair point um he did run the show. I suppose my counter argument would be to that is that Wednesday's midfield was so inept that day and gave him the freedom of the park to be able to dictate. It would be my only caveat with that. Yeah, Wayne Rooney still at thirty-two, might be thirty-three now. Yeah, you know he he did ooze class that day, and and yeah, I I would definitely. You're right in mentioning him and uh, yeah, saying how good he was on that day. And he was. But I, I also think that Wednesday played a major part in that. Uh, whereas I thought Ben Rama's performance was memorable in that I'd never really particularly noticed him when i have watched him live before, thinking that this guy, uh, oh yeah, he's really got something. Whereas I actually did sit up and take notice more. From Ben Rama's performance, whereas we naturally we we knew going into the Derby game that Wayne Rooney, if, if he's on form and is allowed to spray passes from side to side and given that much room, that yeah he can still dominate a midfield who should still be able to. Your former, yeah, what legendary England. Yeah, record England scorer, played for Man U for all those years, 200 plus goals, but with his vision, technique, quality, whereas I thought Ben Rama's performance was maybe more surprising. So that would be my case for Ben Rama.
0: Okay, I'm going to let you have this one. Um, so, yeah, all right then. Ben Rama, best player seen at Hillsborough. Um, this uh, This season. Uh, we are now halfway through so we've done five categories we've got five categories left um, and some juicy ones as well and actually some that I think are going to be difficult for very different sort of reasons so uh, we move on to best signing so obviously including last summer uh, best signing and I think we'll include loan players in this as well um probably a couple of...
1: Is that a hint for you James? Is that a hint at loan players as well?
0: uh, Well it's actually not (laughs) Um, (laughs) but um, I've probably got a couple of players on my shortlist what what about Uh,
1: you? There would be a few in the frame um, for this award but uh, I I think overall for me from what we've seen and the players that Wednesday have signed I actually would plump for Massimo Luongu. I think the impact that Luongu has had uh, on that midfield, it's just been frustrating that he hasn't played more, really, through injuries. But that's been bad luck. But he still played over 20 times this season, chipped in with a couple of goals. But, uh, yeah, I, it, it's it's the fact that from what we have seen of Luongu, the aggression, the bite, the creativity that he brings to midfield, uh, it's exciting to think of what he could deliver if Wednesday can get him out on that pitch on a consistent basis. Uh, so I would say, and for one million, let's not forget as well, that is so cheap in the modern market. I think that uh, yeah, Massimo Luongu was a great bit of business, so he'd be my signing of the season.
0: See the I think the counter argument to it is is something that you touched upon there in terms of the fact that we've just not seen him on the pitch enough really this season uh, I say enough I mean enough um because uh, uh, uh... We've needed him more. There's been games where we've been crying out for him. And, you know, he does seem to have had a really bad season in terms of injuries. Um, So there's probably two other names that I'd mention. um, And I think if we'd have done this a few months ago, um, I think both of them actually would have been um, right up there. So Kadeem Harris obviously had uh, a stunning start to the season, but has very much gone gone off the boil. Um, I'd probably say the same to be honest for um, Julian Burner um, so you know I thought he at the start of the season looked like he was an amazing find and actually I'm not saying that he wasn't an amazing find because um, in this day and age for a, a defender who um, uh, cost us nothing um, he he certainly is a good uh, a good find but I think he's he's shown some weaknesses um and Obviously, defensively, it's it's not been brilliant in recent weeks. So um, I had also got down Luongo, to be fair, um, as my pick for that, of those options because, um, yeah, there's been some real class that's been there. And he's another player, when I, when I think about next season and the squad that we build, you'd expect him to be right at the heart of it, wouldn't it? You'd think about that midfield, so you'd still look at, you know, obviously Bannon... Um, you'd look at Alex Hunt and what he can bring um, if he's got a, a starting place moving forward, and Luongo, and you sort of think, oh, that, I quite like the thought of that. If they can get something going, and you know whoever else we we bring in, I I, I just think yeah, Luongo, you you hope is gonna make, um, he, he's gonna become one of those first names on the team sheet. That's that's what we want from him, isn't it?
1: I think we have to go for the Wongo in this category, and I'm not just saying it because it, 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 I, I think you should, James. But I am right on this. When you break <laughs> it down, Kadeem Harris had, I think, the first six weeks to two months of the season. A great start to his Wednesday career was outstanding. No one would dispute that, especially that opening month. But he has really faded and gone off the boil. Julian Burner was consistent uh, and I think he formed a really good partnership with Dominic, I offer, or it was certainly promising around maybe November, December, when Wednesday, I think won four out of five matches. Um, I, I, thought, I thought that things there were looking up. But you have to also bear in mind and look at how many goals Wednesday have given away this year defensively. They've gone backwards big time uh, in this calendar year. Uh, and... and So, Julian Berner has been in and out of the side; has had injuries. I I, I suppose you could also throw Jacob Murphy into the equation, or at least the conversation, just to say that I think Jacob Murphy has been terrific in the last few months. But it's a bit—it's almost like a juxtaposition, isn't it? Or where Kadeem Harris was electric and has then gone down in the second half of the season, whereas Jacob Murphy had actually a bit of a slow start after his debut, and now he's really picked up. So I I, I still believe that, I I, I just think that Luongu's levels haven't dropped as much as the others. When Luongu has played, I feel like he has been a real driving force in that, and so that's why I would say Luongu, and I'm sticking with that. you are not changing my mind. Yeah,
0: no, I... I absolutely agree, to be fair. Um, and I think everything you've said is is true. The only thing in there that I'd slightly disagree with is you mentioned about Jacob Murphy kind of coming good. And I sort of feel like everyone else has just been so poor that it meant that he's it's, it's probably looks better than he's actually performed. I still don't think that he's been particularly outstanding. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, we are agreed on that one then. So Massimo Luongo gets best signing. Here's one that's actually quite a tough category.
1: Best goal. Do you know what? For me, it's tough, because I don't know about you, James, there aren't actually that many standout goals from this season. When I look back at the game, I I can't actually think of any that many really good team goals or worldies that we've seen. And so for me, actually, it actually comes down to one goal, which is kind of important, it seems as though that's... It's only going to be one goal in a category. <laughs> but it, the, the, it, I actually think there's a real paucity of when you're thinking of great moves or a, a piece of individual brilliance, or skill, whatever. I, I don't think there have been that many great goals this season. Yeah.
0: They really haven't, and this is normally something that we are blessed with, isn't it? Even yes. even in kind of moments of mediocrity in in the last two three seasons, we've had standout goals, we've had uh, real you know quality team goals, we've had some brilliant long range goals this season I had to go back and kind of re-watch the highlights from um, some of the games this season to try and think whether or not there was something that I was missing, whether I'd forgotten about uh, a, a goal or forgotten something that had happened and or forgotten the build-up to a goal and I really struggled, really struggled with this to be honest.
1: Yeah, I did, um, but I came to a decision... <laughs> Uh, And I decided for us that it was Jordan Rhodes' hat-trick goal at Forest. That overhead kick was outrageous uh, for a man who I I bet has never scored an overhead kick in his life. And it's the fact that it was was for the hat-trick. And it was uh, one of those sort of moments where you did have to pinch yourself. Way thinking has that? Ju- have I just seen Jordan Rhodes do that? Has this actually happened? Uh, so I would say it's that. I've I've got one other down. Interesting. Go for it.
0: It wasn't particularly um, fantastic, but I've got um, Adam
1: Reach at Middlesbrough. It was a good goal, but are we really saying that that's the best goal of the season? It's sort of. <laughs> Right. This, well, he's it's jin- a, he's it's in, a worrying right.
0: conversation. This isn't
1: it? No, it is. But I, I, I don't. I, I think okay. Jordan Rhodes's overhead kick—it was maybe from about ten or twelve yards out, so it wasn't distance-wise. They all, yeah, the further out they are, the better they are, aren't they? When it comes to an acrobatic overhead kick, something like that. But okay, Adam reach. Good bit of footwork, shuffled onto his favoured left foot, twenty yards. So it's just outside the penalty area. It's a great finish. I don't think it's best goal though. I still, I would say Jordan Rhodes would still pick it for me for everything for, every, for all the reasons I gave before. The significance of it, I think it's Jordan Rhodes
0: can we can we just abandon this category and go for worst <laughs> goal like scrappiest goal because we've got a few contenders for that one that that would be uh yeah. there'd be there'd definitely be more in it um I don't know. I I just there was something that was that was clean and that that I just thought was nice about Adam yeah. Reacher's goal at Middlesbrough. It it's I, I, to be fair you know it's, it's not it's not a fantastic no. goal. It's not an outstanding no, goal. Um no, but isn't. then I thought John Rhodes' overhead kick wasn't the the cleanest of overhead kicks either. I think the fact that it was his hat-trick goal might just swing it.
1: The only other one off the top of my head that I would throw into the mix would be Stephen Fletcher's goal at Derby um, to put Wednesday ahead that was a fine finish and and it was typical of the form he was in at that time, pretty much everything he was touching was was going in the back of the net and uh, that was actually a really good finish uh, if you watch that back but I, I still think that Jordan Rhodes would edge it
0: all right, on, on the basis that it was to complete his hat-trick and it was a game that we won 4-0, um, let's go with that then. Let's go for Jordan Rhodes. Uh, it was his third goal, wasn't it?
1: I know, I'm doubting myself, thinking it wasn't. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure it was his third. I, it, it, I think if, it was his third if it, as well, but if, it, if it if feels it like such a distant memory me. now, winning
0: 4-0 at, at Forest. Um, yeah. All right, Jordan Rhodes at Forest. Probably third goal, but overhead kick, you remember the one uh, for best goal. Right, we've got three to go. So next we're going to do um, <laughs> this is another one that's quite t- tr- tricky for various reasons best player.
1: Best player. <laughs> See, so- I think
0: a bit, a bit like best goal. I don't think there's anyone that's kind of head and shoulders stand out for this. In fact, I'm not even sure that there's a shortlist of people that have been particularly stand out. Um, the, there's two names that I've got written down, um, and they are Stephen Fletcher, where he's been on the pitch has been Mr Reliable, and uh, I think that the fact that he picked up that um, injury uh, kind of you know the wheels came off his season a bit a bit then, and and that's such a shame and and so kind of tragic that that happened. And then the other player that I've got down, and again, I, I you know, he's had wobbles at times, but for the the great moments that we've seen from him is Dominic Iorfa. Yeah.
1: The only other person that I think would be in with a realistic shout of this award would be Morgan Fox. But I, I think the two names that you've mentioned, I think that that would be the shortest of three for me. I, I don't think there's anybody else who I would even think about putting in the top three. I think that most Wednesday out there listening to this would agree wholeheartedly with us that it would be it would be Stephen Fletcher, Morgan Fox, Dominic Ioffer be between them for the best player of the season. I think I would give it Dominic I offer.
0: Um I'm kind of nodding away as I kind of think about this. I feel I don't think it's been Stephen Fletcher's best season. Um, I think it's been we, his best season think,
1: goal scoring wise. Got a, I think he's probably had goals. moments of
0: his best form, but I think the fact that you know it's been such a uh, disrupted season for Stephen Fletcher means yeah. can it can we really give him? player of the season at this
1: point? I don't know. Dominic he still played, play. um, I, well, I'm just going to say, i Fletcher, he's still played, I think, uh, nearly 30 matches this season and 13 goals. So he's, he's averaged in the league, I think in the championship, he averages a goal every two matches. And for a guy who's not prolific, that that's pretty impressive. So I think we've got to sort of take our hats off to Stephen Fletcher and say that, and without him, you dread to think where Sheffield Wednesday would be this season, James, as well. So I suppose that's what people will be looking at with Stephen Fletcher and his contribution, how much his goals have been worth in terms of points. But I I still want to go to Dominic Iorfa. And the reason being that he was converted. Let's not forget, it was actually the QPR match where That was when he was moved. He came in at the last minute for Tom Lees, who got an injury, if you remember, in the warm-up. So he came Mm. in for Tom Lees at centre-half last minute. And since then, I'm not going to say he hasn't looked bad. I agree with you. He's definitely had wobbles, dips here and there, where I feel like his naivety, a little bit of centre-half has been shown. But I tell you what, when he's been on, you do look at him and you think he's he's been an absolute man-mountain. And his recovery pace is exactly what Wednesday had been crying out for in that position. Uh, and I think there's still a lot for him to learn and, and develop. I Definitely areas of his game where there's room for improvement. But for the raw potential, and he doesn't get injured. Really, on the whole, he's played the majority of the season. And I'd maybe say, of the 30-odd matches he's played, maybe you could say four or five matches where he, he's not been at his best or where he, he dips. So I, that's why I'd still maybe, uh, to, I offer, I think, really, in a team I- that have been consistently inconsistent this season.
0: I think this is probably the one that we should put to uh, public vote on Twitter because I I have a feeling that there's a huge number of Wednesday fans that will say Fletcher. I personally probably agree with you in that I remember games where I offer has looked like class, like proper, you know, real, real class. I think it's fair to include Morgan Fox on that short list. I, I think he'll come up a little bit short. I think it comes down okay. to between those two, between Fletcher and I offer. Um, and I, I think for, for, for that one, and there's probably always going to be a category where we just go, right. Okay. If we can't decide, let's, let's throw it out there and, um, and mm. let, and let the Wednesday world decide. So yeah. I reckon we put that final three as a short list to, uh, to a vote on Twitter.
1: Good shout. Another thing I'd throw into the equation Would be Think of the individual Man of the matches for Sheffield Wednesday this season And um, I bet if you looked across The whole campaign That Dominic I offer Would have been the standout Or if, if you were Rating players out of 10 you, You've come away from the ground And who, you know, who have you gone He was Wednesday's best player that day I bet you Dominic Iorfa would probably pip them all, so that's that would be my final point.
0: Well, I I just put a slight counter argument to that in terms of if you go back and look at who's won Player of the Month, um, I think there was a, a stretch of about three or four months where Stephen Fletcher won it just month after month after month. I can't remember if Dominic Iorfa's won won it all this season. He must have done. I'm sure he must have done. Um, but you know, certainly in terms of that player of the month which is done by public vote Um, I think that Fletcher's won by far and away more than anyone else this season so I reckon it'll be an interesting one this so uh, best player of the season so far your options are Stephen Fletcher Dominic Iortha, Morgan Fox it will be on our uh, Twitter page if you want to uh, vote Uh, and we'll run that for uh, for the rest of the week um, and see what we get back we've got two categories left um, one's a positive one one is a less positive one so let's get the less positive one out of the way first and that is worst moment of the season Um, I've I mean <laughs> there's quite a few contenders <laughs> for this to be fair um, yes. I've got um, I've actually I've got two that I've written down and, and rather than being moments they are actually games um, and I'm trying to uh, pinpoint particular moments in them and there is a moment that where, you know, my heart really sank and I was like, Ugh and, and so right, I, I mean the the two on my shortlist are both five 0 defeats. So five 0 at home to Blackburn, five 0 away at at Brentford. I look back at the moment that fifth goal went in at Brentford when I just looked at my friends and just went, come on, let's go. And we were back to the car and and on on our way back to Sheffield, I think before the full-time whistle went. I look back at that and if I'd have known what was about to happen in the world of football, because that obviously was the last game that Wednesday played, then I'd have have stayed until full-time and just, you know, uh, kind of a grid and bear it situation because if I'd have known it was the last chance I got to actually see some football for the best part of, I don't know how many months or whatever, um, but then leaving you know I didn't see any of the second half against Blackburn I effectively left at half time against um, Blackburn that that was that was so grim losing 5-0 at home to Blackburn and being so utterly utterly rubbish I've got to say Blackburn I've got to say the, the um, would it, be, it would have been the fourth goal against Blackburn which was just after the restart wasn't it I was still finishing my beer and just about to kind of drag myself up, and that fourth goal went in, and I just went, Nope, gone.
1: I'm with you, James. I think it's Blackburn for me was real low, and uh, one of actually the worst moments covering Wednesday and, and watching the team as much as I have done over the last 10 years of where there have been some stinkers that I've seen over the years. I, I won't forget Burson on New Year's Day. From a few years ago That was bad But actually I think Blackburn was worse For the, you, you you do have to remember And it's easy to forget That Wednesday were actually Down to 10 men Very early on in that game And wrongly So Massimo Luongu Shouldn't have been sent off That day That, that decision was uh, Overturned And uh, it had a huge impact But it was the way The white flag came out I felt second half After that fourth goal Went in I actually felt uh, uh, there's it's been very few occasions where I felt this. I, I felt embarrassed to be watching Wednesday and 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 covering Wednesday and wanting Wednesday to do well because uh, you you just think you just looked at him for, uh, they've given up. I did. I felt like they caved in completely. Uh, and and actually, they should have lost that game by eight, ten 0 It wouldn't have flattered Blackburn at all. It was had it not been for Cameron Dawson, that would have been even more humiliating than what it was. But that I, I look that was one of the, the times where I did look at that, and then I was seriously questioning or thinking to myself, and having serious doubts about whether the players were actually playing for behind the manager at that time. I had serious concerns, and, and then of course Brentford for the reasons you touched on, it was the same of where, but yeah, that one was different. At least you could explain Brentford more in the sense that Brentford are a top team and Brentford have some really good players in this division, but for Blackburn, a mid-table team to come to Hillsborough and give Wednesday an absolute spanking like they did. Yeah. And it could have been worse. Yeah. For me, no it shouldn't happen and that's why I'm with you i think that that's the worst moment of the season without a doubt i i've got two
0: other kind of like honorable mentions for worst moment of the season <laughs> i think blackburn wins it because it was just embarrassing but um i thought luton away and wigan away were two other just real kind of di- just just dirge just awful awful performances um and for I, you could put up an argument for either of those really to be low points of the season, but I don't think they were embarrassing in the way that you know losing
1: five no. nil at home to Blackburn was no. was just it was kind of shameful really. There would be one more as well that you forget, uh, Reading at home. Reading home was uh, horrendous, um, and it was only three 0 but. When the second goal went in, it was that fumble mistake from Cameron Dawson and you're getting that sinking feeling of, oh, here we go again at home where results have absolutely nosedived this year. Reading was a shocker. uh, And that came off, off the back of Wooten where I think in both matches you had was it the Wednesday fans singing, you're not fit to wear the shirt? We also had that for Derby at home as well when it was 3 you now at half time. So, yeah, it, it, it pains you, doesn't it, really, to think actually we've had half a dozen shocking moments this season.
0: I, th- I think this has been probably the most hotly contested category, hasn't it? Worst moment of yeah. the season that says says a lot, that really does. Uh, right then, we've got about four minutes left. So, um, final category, the complete opposite of where we've just been. So, best moment of the season and um, there are also quite a few in with a shout for, for this as well so um, there is uh, the win at Charlton I thought was really good uh, obviously we'll talk about um, Forest that we've touched on and uh, Middlesbrough as well um, a, a slightly kind of left field choice I'd throw in here is um, use winner at Rotherham which was um, you know kind of a bit of a crazy moment at the end of that game but I'm actually going to go for and I'm thinking about this from a fan perspective so I'm going to go for uh, Lucas Zhao's goal at Reading on the opening day of the season which was a cracking game of football a game that had kind of swung a little bit uh, one way or the other Wednesday went down to 10 men looked like Reading were going to get something out of it Sam Hutchinson scored but then it was still all a bit up in the air and we thought are Reading going to come back Um, and then Zhao scored actually it was a decent goal and we didn't talk about that one earlier when we talked about um, potential best goal of the season but it was was a good finish that uh, but the away and just went nuts. And so for me, uh, I'm picking out that as being my best moment of this season.
1: Oh, going right back to the first game of the season. Fair, fair play, James. Uh, do you know what? One you didn't touch on that I think should be in with shout would be Brighton away in the FA Cup. Uh, that was a great day out. Um, and Wednesday, Fielder's, still a pretty strong side it showed out that you know they took the the competition i think more seriously than what people thought uh, but the performance that day uh the debut from Urigidi, gidi Uri post-match interview as well which went viral uh, i thought you know it was great publicity for the club. And they really actually did make national news to the club uh, for all the right reasons from that game. And then they backed it up, of course, the week after by beating Leeds. Uh, So that actually was without a doubt the best period of of 2020 so far for Wednesday. And they defended outstanding um, against Brighton. So Brighton had been there for me. Can in I throw in one t- one
0: reason as to why Brighton? I don't think um, I don't think it gets close, to be honest. Which is, yeah, obviously it was it was a good win, and there was the um, obviously the aftermath with Origidi. But it was the game that Stephen Fletcher got injured, and that in the long term really kind of the yeah. wheel started to come off our season as a result of the goals just dried up after that. We got away with it a week later at, at Leeds. But then, you know, after that, it's been a a fairly kind of constant nosedive. Um, And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that we risked Stephen Fletcher when we didn't need to at Brighton. So I look back on that game, actually, and rather than thinking of it with fondness, I think of actually it's a game that we made a pretty big mistake in terms of playing Stephen Fletcher when we really didn't need to.
1: I take your point, and so I'm prepared to go along with that. But for me, you can't have Reading... As the as the moment of the season, it, I it, I would still put Leeds United way above that. I, I still think that uh, to win at Leeds, given how good they are, and Wednesday had to soak up an awful lot of pressure. The smash and grab nature of it, the, to keep a clean sheet when few sides have managed to do that at Elland Road. And at that time, the positivity around the place, we were still very much believing, oh, Wednesday, the top six, it's still possible. If you park the EFL charge, it, it's still doable. So I, I think for so many reasons, the aftermath celebrations at Leeds, it has to be Leeds, James. I think you look foolish. You, you look foolish the opening day at Reading. It's got to be Leeds.
0: I, well, I'm I'm going for that precise moment that Lucas Shaw scored and the away and went nuts. So I'm going about it from purely from a fan perspective. Um, but you know we talked about it earlier in terms of being the best game. Um, I, I, if you're going to pinpoint a moment, it, it, it probably has to be at a New Year's second, doesn't it? At, at Leeds, um, if if you're going to kind of go with um, go with that. So um, I'll I'll let you have it if that's what you're going to go for.
1: That's very kind of you, but I I think most people would agree, James, that All right. that is is probably the standout moment. So
0: we will go with we'll that so we've agreed on all of those well more or less agreed on all of those with just that one exception best player that we will throw out so if you uh, if you want to vote on that head to our Twitter page you can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Mario, or contact the show at Dom and James big thanks to our gold sponsor Tito Law who you can find at titolaw.co.uk thank you for joining us if you like singing the blues please rate and review the show in your podcast app up the owls and see you next week